This episode of Bush Rich Breakaway is brought to you by our Patreon. Become a subscriber today, join our Discord, get some stickers, get some shirts, some other stuff, who knows? And also, do you want to be a sponsor of Blue Shirts Breakaway? That's cool. I'd like you to be too. Anyway, let's start the podcast. Hey, Bush Breakaway fans, welcome to another week of the Blue Shirts Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead, and I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. Greg, a weird week for the Rangers, but say hello otherwise. Sure. Sure. That's not hello at all, but we'll go with it. No. Sure. 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 Here we are, once again. Yeah. This show will be particularly interesting, and by that I mean I'm not sure how it will go. There's multiple reasons for that. We'll start with this. First off, the West Coast mm-hmm. trip has been strange. In in the uh, okay, go on. I'll let you finish. No, no, I was gonna let you finish. Strange, strange in the way that usually I'd kind of. I, I know you can't stay up late because you'll die, but I would like to usually stay up late and, and watch a little bit ra- late night Ranger hockey in bed. And this time around, I haven't been motivated to do that whatsoever. And I I know it's kind of like the calm before the storm, like you, when you know it's gonna rain and you're sitting there, you're like, "Fuck, it's gonna rain soon. We're gonna sell this team." Pretty soon. And it, it's just like, okay, I'm watching this team. Maybe it's for the last time. These certain players. It's just like the goodbye is is imminent. And I'm not sure when it's coming, but I know it's in the next few weeks. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's definitely the weirdest time we've ever been doing this podcast and watching the Rangers. I don't think there's any comparable to that. Because you know, losing in the playoffs eventually happens for every team in the NHL except for one. So even those podcasts have a different sound to them than the next couple for us will have. But I'll go one step further than you. I wouldn't call it strange. Work schedule or no work schedule, there was zero motivation on my end to really want to watch any of these West Coast Ranger games. In fact, there was a game on Thursday night, which I could have stayed up to watch, because Thursday's my night off and I wasn't doing anything. And I just decided to go to bed at 10 o'clock. I, I just, I didn't care about watching that Ranger game in the which, slightest. Which is crazy because we host a Rangers podcast. And Yeah, and not even that. It's just, even when the Mets are shit, I like watching Met games. Even when wow, two I'm not the world's and 17 biggest, seconds, pretty good. I'm not the world's biggest Knicks fan, but I'll if the Knicks are on and I'm not doing anything at the house, I'll put the Knicks game on just to see what, Porzingis is going to do these West Coast games. I I couldn't give a fuck. I and it's it's a multitude of reasons for that. It's it's the fact that right now the Rangers, with the exception of the San Jose game, which even though the Rangers decided to score goals, still had a myriad of issues that we could talk about at length. I, I don't know if it's worth delving into in one game. I'm sure we'll highlight the performance of one specific player because we need to, and he's a just a. He's bad and not oh. held accountable, but yeah. I'm getting I'm getting off point from my rant. You are. It's it's an uninteresting style of hockey the Rangers are playing right now, just from a purely um, entertaining standpoint. Like just looking at this team, not as do I think they're going to make the playoffs or do I think they can sell. Looking at it as do I want to spend two and a half hours out of my night watching that team play hockey playing the style that they do and the answer right now is just no I really don't and then if you add in the fact that it was a west coast trip and I would have to stay up later to do it it became even less appetizing and I never in my time as being a hardcore ranger fan which again it's not my entire life I definitely admit that it started after the um, canceled season when the Yamir Yager Rangers were very good and very entertaining. And then we started going to college, yada, yada. I've never experienced this kind of period in my Ranger fan uh, lifehood of just not being remotely entertained by the product I'm watching. And that goes, that takes into account the John Tortorella years when the Rangers MO was just playing two to one hockey games every night not exactly playing strong on the power play, just playing good defensive sound hockey. I, this, this is the least entertained I've ever been watching Rangers hockey. That team at least like had personality. 
Had that too. Absolutely. I don't know what this team's personality is right now. Here's what, if, I, if I'm if i going to give you a thesis of the team, I say, this is a Rangers team that has zero defense, some young stars that get neglected, and an aging king who knows it's almost over. That's it. The, the crazy thing is, I don't know if I don't know if Hank would actually admit that he thinks it's almost over. I think Hank will only admit it's almost over when he's on the last year of his contract, just because he's a he's a freak. Hank has the highest usage rate in the NHL right now. Yeah, and <laughs> it's a wonder that he says stuff like "I felt really tired" when he gets smoked on a West Coast trip. Uh, it's almost like you could have prevented something from something like that from happening by, I don't know, getting him rest earlier in the season against lower-level opponents. But who would do that? Because apparently the Rangers had enough off time between games, so it was fine playing him 20 straight games. He's on pace yeah. for 70 games right now. Yeah, it adds up. That's that's the whole reason why I got so worked up about this earlier in the year. It's not the fact that the Rangers had two nights off in between games so Hank could keep playing games. Th- those are still minutes accumulated. Those are... Miles put on your tires. Just because you're cruising and not necessarily using as much gas as you would if you're driving directly uphill, your car is still moving. That's still wear and tear. He's a human being. He's a 36-year-old human being. You got you to rest him. He turns, 30, but, he turns 36 on March 2nd. Yeah, he's old. Shit, I'm, tw- I'm going to be 29 in April. I can't do stuff I used to do when I was 21. <laughs> what do you – it just – Oh my God! I but it, it got me angry then. It gets me angry now. But honestly, there's just not. It, it's not worth getting that angry because this team is just. It's so flat. It's so bland. The Larry Brooks report is out now, which means that where there's smoke, there is fire. Um, Drew Way, who we've had on this podcast multiple times, who people have read on our website dozens of times, he's the one that says it every time. The Rangers only put out stories regarding trade rumors if they want it to be heard. So you don't have to believe everything you read, but you have to believe the Rangers are actually making proper phone calls and trying to figure out where some of their pieces are going to go. And quite honestly, that storyline is going to be more important than anything the Rangers do on the ice over the next month. It's going I, to the, get- the wins and losses no longer matter. We, it all The things that matter are where are these veterans going and how many are going. And once that's over, it's what was the return and what is the return package? What are we doing with the team once the return package is here? Are we going to play the correct people? Are we going to develop the, the younger team? Are we playing for next year already? Yeah, and the maybe the most important storyline we will talk about after the trade deadline uh, and even leading up, leading up to the trade deadline, obviously you and I will talk at length with multiple people about who could possibly be going where and what the Rangers could possibly be getting for them. That's something that we are going to become obsessed with. The other thing that we will remain very critical of, if you're going to rebuild like the Rangers are about to, you have to change the coach. It, it, it doesn't make sense to break down a core for what will be, in essence, the second time under Elaine Vino, and not have a change behind the bench. And I think that is going to be it, it'll be great if the Rangers get assets back for Rick Nash, Michael Grabner, um, lesser assets back for Nick Holden and David DeHarnay. The Rangers are definitely going to have conversations about Ryan McDonough and Matt Zuccarello. I'm not 100% sure those guys will get traded before the deadline. Those two feel like they could possibly be draft day moves if they get moved. I think McDonough more likely than Zuccarello. Um, but none of it will really matter if Elaine Vigneault is still here. Because you can change your chess pieces as much as you want. If the chess master doesn't change, it's the same game. None of it matters. You need a new leader. I think that's one of the reasons the Yankees changed their their managers. Uh, They kind of forced Girardi out at that point. And then all of a sudden brought in Aaron Boone, which still should have been A-Rod, but that's another conversation. Yeah, and the Yankees, look, I will be the first one to shit on the Yankees as much as I can because I, you, you know who I am, you know what I stand for. However, the Yankees realized something very important. Last year's success was great and good, but whoever was going to be the Yankees at the start of the 2018 season was going to be the Yankee manager for at least the next three to five years. And the Yankees had to ask themselves a hard question. Did they want Joe Girardi to be that guy for the next three to five years. 
And for them, the answer was clearly no. We don't see him sticking around that long. I personally do not have any confidence in Aaron Boone as a manager. But you have to give the Yankees credit for taking a hard look at what their team is, what the core of their team is going to be, and where they expect to be over the next half decade. And they decided Joe Girardi wasn't their guy. Kudos to them. And you know what? Kudos to them if they also said Girardi was their guy. They, that's a decision they had to own. The Rangers are now at a point where they have to own this decision. And Elaine, unlike Joe Girardi, Elaine Vino has shown nothing with a quote-unquote younger core that should warrant him getting another chance. It's not there. This team had the pieces to make a playoff run. I wouldn't say Stanley Cup run, but when this season started, this was a playoff caliber roster. Yes, injuries have taken a toll, but injuries are a poor excuse for how poorly this team has played all season. It really is. I mean, losing Kreider and obviously Shattenkirk, who were key pieces to this team, not the best. Very simple to say that, but not an excuse. This team could survive and float while these players came back, but you could see it's not their fault. Shattenkirk being Shattenkirk being the lighter lineup or Kreider being the lineup right now, we'd probably be, what, two points better? Maybe four? I, I, I don't know because the Rangers kryptonite is, again, defense. And Shattenkirk would have helped defensively, but it, he's, the, he's a square peg for the round hole that is the Elaine Vigneault system. And there's only so much he can do if he's not going to be given the proper opportunity to perform at the level we know he could. Obviously, like you said, the knee injury sapped a lot of what his game was. But even then, Kevin Shattenkirk at 100%, I'm not positive works in Elaine Vino's defensive system. And if you're going to build your defense around a player like Kevin Shattenkirk, then what you have to do is change your defensive system. And not once in Elaine Vino's tenure as Ranger head coach have we seen him be able to change any kind of system. It's The Rangers are playing the exact same hockey they played when he started. The difference now is they no longer have pieces that work in that system. And unless you're changing the coach, the coach has to change. And we are... I, well, you, it's one or the other. It, Either the player has to change or the coach has to change. You obviously... They were trying to mold Shattenkirk to be something else. It didn't work. And then it's, well, what are our, what are our options left? There's really one option. It's changing and the coach. You have, you have to also take it one step further and really question the Rangers' front office decision makings where I, I, Jeff Gordon couldn't have looked at Kevin Shattenkirk and thought to himself, there's a player whose game I can change to fit our style. I don't think a 28-year-old all-star caliber defender who has made a living playing a certain way is necessarily going to be able to rehab his entire game on the fly, nor should he, because he's proven to be excellent at what he does. I just, the move becomes even more questionable in my mind, not because I think Kevin Shattenkirk was a bad investment. It's just, it's poor asset analyzation because there's no scenario where the Raiders should have looked at someone like Kevin Shattenkirk and thought he's going to work in the system we play. The Rangers got the name as opposed to getting the right player. Now, in my mind, Shattenkirk is more than a name. I think he is the right player for a different coach. And the only way the Rangers are going to be successful moving forward is a change behind the bench. And I can already see it, Ryan. I've said it to you. I've said it to multiple people. I already see the fact the Ranger management could say, look, it's kind of a miracle that Elaine Vigneault kept this team that got this injured I hate that. in the playoff conversation as long as he did. Hate it. That that I, I I see that excuse in big bold headlines already. And it is my it is my greatest fear. Part of me is starting to believe that he'll be out of, as head coach at the end of this year. And that's when they'll do their sort of rebuild, especially after draft day. But then your greatest fear, that which you just brought up, comes to mind and it just seems that Gorton and AV, they get along really well. But according to the Brooks report, all of the brass, including the owner, quote unquote, you know, you know, it's rumor wise here, it's not a quote, I don't know why I said that, are going, to, they're all okay with like tanking and rebuilding. That's, they're all in on that. Despite Lugwist having maybe one of his best years 
well, I can't even say one of his best years. He's a, he's a goddamn monster. He's always played this well. But now we're sitting here saying... He's, I, I, don't, I don't think it's hyperbole to say this is one. This has been one of Henrik Lundqvist's most impressive single-season performances. Do you th- I, 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 don't, I, don't think, I don't think you are shaming the rest of his career by saying that. I think that's fair. But then, you know, we should be talking, if we're really thinking that far, and I know this is blasphemy to say it, and you know where I'm going. You know exactly where I'm going. The difference between having the conversation of trading Henrik Lundqvist is so different just because that cap hit is so high. And it involves eating money that the Rangers, if the Rangers are going to eat money on a Henrik Lundqvist contract, they may just rather have Henrik Lundqvist. And that's totally fair and fine. And at the same time, it's up to Henrik to decide he wants to leave. And why, if, for example, say Winnipeg has the best chance to win a Stanley Cup and you're Henrik Lundqvist, you have to ask yourself, what's more important, a Stanley Cup in Winnipeg or just the life you've established for yourself in New York City? And I I can't blame a human being for wanting to stay in New York City making millions of dollars to play hockey despite not maybe getting his name on a trophy. That's a lifestyle choice. It's sad, but, that's but true. What Henrik wants to do, it's fine. I'm not here to play, pass judgment on him. It is not Henrik Lundqvist's fault the Rangers have pissed away the best years of his career. They came Hank close. literally couldn't have done more. No, he couldn't. <laughs> he could have stopped a few pucks in the Stanley Cup Finals against the Kings, but that was not his fault and in any, any point in time. The Rangers could have put a few more in net as well. That's fair. Chris Kreider could have stopped hitting the crossbar, huh? Could have still hit haunts me to this day, absolutely. Yeah, I the the conversation to trade Hank is not as easy as the other players on the roster. It it involves Hank's willingness to move, it involves the Rangers' willingness to eat money, and it involves a trade partner willing to give up the necessary assets, plus taking on the salary, plus everything else that goes into trading for Henrik Lundqvist. It is the Rangers can have that conversation as much as they want. It is not as black and white as trading a Rick Nash or a Ryan McDonough. It just isn't. And it never will be. And And the fact that it never will be is probably why it'll never happen. And again, I can see Rick Nash coming back next year on a discount. I really can. It depends. It honestly depends on how much the Rangers are getting back in all these trades and how far they want to go with this rebuild. By all accounts, it does not sound like the Rangers have any intention of trading someone under contract long term. Um, we have never heard Chris Ryder's name thrown around, uh, injury or no injury. We have not heard Mika Zibanejad's name thrown around. We have not heard the likes of a Brady, Kevin Brady. Kevin Hayes, a Brady Shea, a Kevin Shattenkirk even. Um, we have not heard those names thrown around, which leads you to think that this rebuild will finally be an actual rebuild on the fly where the Rangers are selling off assets this year, but – 100% in expect to contend next year. Oh, I guarantee this team wants to contend next year. I don't think this is a Philadelphia-style tank. I think this is, hey, we have all these assets that are pretty highly valued at this point in time. I'd say Rick Nash is, is a desirable piece for a lot of teams. Uh, um, I would say he's a desirable piece for teams that think they are on the verge of being Stanley Cup caliber. You're and not, those teams play in the Central Division. You're not going to get a, a huge haul back for Rick Nash, but you're going to get something, a value. You're going to get a late first-round pick. You're going to get a late first-round pick and probably a prospect. And quite honestly, that is – that's play fine. Flip, you can get good players in the late end of the first round. Filipino went 22nd overall. It is not impossible to find, to find good talent late in the first round. It's not exactly like the NBA, where if you're not in the lottery, you're – shooting darts at a microscopic sized dartboard. Yeah, it's very I think the chance after after 10 to find some some somebody that's going to be an all-star is like 1% or lower. In the NBA it is a lot more and and people will say, well, Giannis, Kawhi Leonard, yes, you will be able to find Don, Donovan Mitchell. Dra- I love Donovan Mitchell. He should have been a lottery pick. Um Draymond Green even went in the second round. We're not saying it's impossible to find value outside the lottery in the NBA. What I'm trying to say is it is a lot easier to find value in the NHL first round when compared to the NBA. It just is. 
absolutely is. And uh, that's sort of the package I would want for Rick Nash. I want a, I want a second round pick or so for Michael Gravner. But if we're trading Ryan McDonough, I'm gonna want that's that's we can agree that he's our most valuable piece, right? That's bar none. Um. Or would you yes say, and yes would, and no? Would you make a case for Zuccarello? No, I, I would put McDonough above Zuccarello. It's just it, it's it's interesting to use the word like value because I think Ryan McDonough could potentially bring back more than Rick Nash or Michael Grabner, but more teams will be interested in Rick Nash or Michael Grabner. Ryan McDonough is going to be a player a select few teams are going to want to acquire. Whereas well, this year, if a team feels in the race uh, and they see Michael Grabner as a chance to better their opportunity, they're not going to hesitate to give up a late first, second round pick for Michael Grabner. Whereas the multiple picks it will take to get McDonough is a lot more prohibitive. I think the Leafs might seriously take a run at him. I, I disagree. Um, the Ryan McDonough does not play the side defensively that the Leafs have a problem with. They need a right-handed defenseman, and that's not Ryan McDonough. And I think we need to – any dreams – I don't want to hear the name. And I know I've said, like, definitive things on this podcast before, like the Rangers are not signing Jimmy VC and shit like that. <laughs> obviously, it's backfired in my face. I – there is no – there's – there's no way in my mind the Leafs are trading Nylander or Marner, so I don't want to hear it. It doesn't make any sense if you're the Leafs. I feel like every single Ranger fan has talked about Nylander in the past two weeks. Of every, course, because he's one. a dream player for the Rangers to acquire, but two things working against the Rangers in that aspect. I don't think the Leafs want Ryan McDonough, and I definitely don't think the Leafs want to give up William Nylander. I don't think Did so either. Why would We were they? supposed to trade for Tyler Bozak six, six, seven months ago. How'd that go? Yeah, we were supposed to trade Nick Holden for Tyler Bozak. Jeez. Yeah, it didn't really work out, did it, guys? No. Maybe, just maybe, the player you want is not necessarily the player the Leafs want to give up. Probably not. I think you're, you're better, you're more realistic home for someone like Ryan McDonough is going to be a Western Conference contender in the offseason. I just, I don't think the Leafs, the Leafs may feel they're a defenseman away, but I don't think the defenseman they feel they are needing is Ryan McDonough. It it just it doesn't make a ton of sense. And they have scouts. They know that Ryan's playing sort of injured. They know. Yeah. And again, it it is it is awesome to dream. I would love for the Rangers to have a top line that includes Nylander and Buchnevich. That would get me hard 82 <laughs> times a year, at least. But it's just not going to happen, guys. And I think dreaming that scenario is irresponsible because then you're going to set unrealistic levels for a Ryan McDonough trade, which means you will be disappointed in whatever package the Rangers end up getting for Ryan McDonough. And that's unfair. This is a conversation we would love to eat crow on. Please. Oh, sure. Absolutely. You know what? If I'm wrong about one thing in my life, I would love to be wrong about thinking the Rangers can't get William Nylander from the Toronto Maple Leafs. Let that be the thing I'm wrong about. <laughs> yeah, please. There's so many other that, things we're wrong about. That'd be that'd be great. Right. Would be just fantastic. If I'm wrong about the Rangers getting Nylander, I will buy a Nylander jersey. Yeah, you can book that. That's fine. No problem. Don't bet. I would love to lose that bet. I will say that I if just, we do trade Ryan McDonough, I think it's time to talk about extending Brady Shea to get him as cheap as uh, possible. Well, it's you sh- we should be having this conversation anyway because Brady Shea is a restricted free agent this offseason, and if the Rangers bridge him, he's only going to get more expensive. Do not bridge this, him. The Ryan McDonough conversation is completely independent from any Brady Shea extension conversation. The Rangers should have been thinking about extending Shea this entire season. I really, I we didn't really dislike. I think if we go on record, I don't think we disliked uh, bridging JT Miller or Kevin Hayes at that point in time. I think we we've, we've said uh, we were okay with it. Semi, um, Hayes more than Miller because Hayes had been so inconsistent. Mm-hmm. I the the Miller bridge is was then and is now a problem because the Rangers could have locked him up long term for something in the four million dollar range. And it's if you really think the another thing that I would love to be wrong about. JT Miller is not signing for less than $5 million. That's crazy. Good for JT Miller. Good for Just look at you. You have to look at the 
Jonathan Marshall contract he got from Vegas. JT Miller is going to get more than that in my mind. That hurts. Um, that, pro- that's where the bridge deal comes in. But it we, you, yeah. we can't bridge deal. You can't extend everybody. Right. Right. But you have to extend somebody. And the Rangers chose to extend nobody. And now they're going to be in a situation this offseason. We extended because of Vader, Jad. We extended him because we had no other. He, you couldn't bridge him again. That's true. So you you had, you had to extend him. That's otherwise <laughs> he's playing on a one year deal and he becomes a restrict, uh, unrestricted free agent. And that was dumb analysis with Ryan Mead. Thank you. Uh, um, yeah, and we bridged Kreider once before extending him. Like you just we can't. I will flip a shit if we bridge Brady Shea. Well, the, the thing is, if the Rangers do sell off and they move guys like McDonough and Zuccarello, they already have a lot of cap room for next year. They're going to have more. So I don't even think anyone should really be worried about a Brady Shea extension because there's going to be plenty of room under the cap to make it happen. I think this team needs to be more focused on getting out the four veterans that are on expiring deals right now, which is Nash Grabner, Holden, and Dayarnay. And they need a – I'm now at a point where I'm very comfortable trading Ryan McDonough in the offseason or to, before. I've come to terms with it. But if I'm the Rangers, I definitely want to trade at the trade deadline with Ryan McDonough. I think your return is just higher. I think the NHL is weird, man. I don't necessarily think that's true. It's so weird. I know we talk about this all the time. I just don't understand how the NHL trade system works. Like, why? Yeah, I, I, for, uh, I, Ryan McDonough would make sense for – a team this year who thinks they're capable of winning a cup and a team who will also think they're capable, obviously capable of winning it next year. The, the pitch for McDonough is you want two chances at a Stanley cup with him, as opposed to one at the same time, more teams will be interested in Ryan McDonough at the NHL draft, where I think his value is at worst unchanged from this trade deadline. Unchanged. That, like I, That is just not the case in other sports. I just don't get it. Why would it be unchanged? I feel like it would definitely be a lesser value. You, you, it's, I, it's one chance instead of two. It's just it's, double the chances. It's it's almost one of those things where like his value is going to be so immediate and high for three to four teams now, whereas it's going to be just as high for eight to ten teams in the offseason. So you just have more suitors, a bigger pool to choose yeah, from. It's, but that's not like any other sport. You think the A's would have gotten what they got for Sonny Gray? No. If they waited until this offseason to no trade him as a and the, No. And the, the A's made out, by the way. The three prospects they took over, like they bought low on every single one of them, and all of them are going to bounce back. So good for the A's. Yeah, but it, I just – that this, this trade market is unique only to the NHL. I don't know any other sport where someone would say, I feel comfortable getting as much value for Ryan McDonough for one and a half years as I would for Ryan McDonough for one year. Where where else does that happen? It doesn't. It doesn't. And there's a good chance you're right. And it just feels weird to say you're right. I want to disagree with you so badly, but I can't disprove it. I don't want to say it. It's, it, it's, It's illogical. I know how almost every other sport works. With the exception of the NFL, because Zero contracts trace. don't matter. Nothing matters in the NFL. But in the NBA and Major League Baseball, you always want more control for the player. That's when their value is greatest. And the NHL is like, nah, it's fine. Who cares? Yeah, we're, right. we're, we're good. I don't know. I, maybe I just don't get the NHL at the end of the day. I just don't <laughs> get it. Yeah, well, it's a good thing we have a podcast about it. It's a good thing we're experts. Um, all right, let's go to our interview over with James Duffy. We're going to talk about the Rangers media and Islanders media, New York media, and how they treat uh, hockey in general, which is with kid gloves. So let's go over there, and we'll come back after that. We'll talk. We'll do uh, who the f is Blue Shirts Breakaway. We'll talk a little bit about uh, some some long term futures bets that uh, I'm very confused about that you made, <laughs> and then uh, then we'll call it a podcast. Uh, let's go over to James Transition. Hey, and we're back. We're bringing on an enemy of the podcast, James Duffy. He is a writer for Gotham Sports for the Islanders. But yet you're here to talk about New York media with us. James, say hello. How you doing? Uh, enemy of the podcast, friend of the program, though, I think. That's definitely true. Uh, I will say we are both miserable together. Misery loves company. 
Uh, that's really that all, all it boils down to. We can be sad about different things, but still sad together. I will say, oh, I said that twice in a row. Uh, I'm happy you guys are staying, and I'm happy you got Belmont. I do like our rivalry. I hate you the most. So I did want to keep it around, and I'm glad that you will be. Are you guys playing games in Nassau Coliseum? What's the deal with that? Yeah, so they're going to actually play, uh, starting next season, 12 of their home games at Nassau, and then uh, I guess the other 29 in Brooklyn. And then for the two seasons after that, they're going to play at least half of their home games at Nassau Coliseum and then the rest at Barclays. Um, and then in three years, the, the idea is Belmont will be finally built, and they'll have their own singular one-home arena that's actually hopefully decent this time. And we'll have a train, yeah, but- a train directly to it, I believe. Yes, they want to build an LIR station right at the uh, the new arena. Yeah, LIR yeah, has always but- always been reliable. Yeah, reliable, <laughs> on time, consistent. Cong- congratulations, though. You've entered into an ownership agreement with the New York Mets, and let me tell you how that's going to end for you. I mean, it's working out well for the Mets themselves. So how can it go any worse for anybody else? Hey, the Overwatch League is doing well, though. NYXL, best team. There you go. So clearly they have uh, eSports figured out, but uh, real sports, they're a little behind the curve. Their hands are off, so that's that. Not ideal. Let's talk about sort of the New York media and how they kind of handle the hockey in general. Why do coaches Mm -hmm. not get flamed in New York media at all? Yeah, I've I've never understood it because it's almost – that's not a New York trend because in almost every other sport, you'll have the most crazy, ridiculous, angry, hot takes. I mean, just look at every Giants writer this season who had decided to flame Odell Beckham for the entire season. And it's not a hockey thing either because there's this stereotype of the Canadian media, especially tearing into coaches and players and teams. And I don't think that's necessarily the right strategy. I don't think hot take headlines and insults and kind of just ripping into people is the right way to report on a team. But when you have a couple teams in the area that have been disappointing and coaches especially that have been disappointing and the media still stays kind of soft and on the surface, I I really have never understood the way New York hockey has been covered. Maybe it's because nobody cares and it's the, I don't know, maybe seventh and eighth most cared about teams in the tri-state area respectively. But uh, the laissez-faire approach in reporting is never really kind of, it's always rubbed me the wrong way. I don't know about you guys. No, it, it really has. And the, you brought up a point I want to talk about almost immediately about how people say, well, it's writers don't want to upset the locker room because who really cares about mm. reading about hockey? Then why are you writing about it? Like these papers are smart and they're still somehow making some money. And part of their money are the back page headlines. And I, I would think a newspaper newsroom is smart enough to be like, if this isn't worth the dollar to send the reporter to cover the team, I'm not going to do it. Like they, There's no requirement from the New York Daily News or the New York Post to have a hockey beat writer. They could just have a staff writer watch the game in the newsroom and write a column off it. I don't, mm-hmm. need, I don't need to hear the, we gave it 110%, everything we could, really left it all on the line, we picked up our play of the first half. I don't give a shit about those quotes. The whole point of you having a voice in the locker room is to challenge people. And this is New York. The, I, I, I always go back to the Mets because I know it pisses people off at this point. The Mets I'm right here. signed the Mets signed Adrian Gonzalez, and before the signing was official, someone already wrote the poll the article asking if he's a locker room cancer. That doesn't happen with the Rangers or the Islanders. Right, right. Um, and I, I, you know, I know. So Arthur Stable's been the guy that's been with uh, with Newsday for the Islanders for the longest time, and he actually just I think took a job with the Athletics. So uh, all props to him because that's obviously a, a great step for him. But um. I was always, especially the last couple of years, as things started to kind of not, you're looking at a team that should be a competitive top three in the, in the, in the division and a playoff lock instead of fighting for a spot and giving up four goals a game. And even this year, especially kind of nothing's ever changed with the reporting. Uh, earlier this month, Staple wrote an article about the future of Garth Snow, essentially, will he stay as general manager? Um, and there's no quotes from Garth Snow, no quotes from John Ledecky, no quotes from Scott Malkin. Nobody in ownership is quoted. Nobody in the front office is quoted. And it's just kind of a column, almost a blog that I could have written with the same knowledge. Um, and I, 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 like you said, these guys, they work closely to the team. They don't want to rock the boat. They don't want to upset people that they work with. But at the end of the day, they have unprecedented and access that nobody else has to these teams. And they're end up writing blogs and columns that, w- that anybody could, that I could from my house. It, it it almost feels cheap and like they're not doing their jobs well enough. I feel the same way. We're, you know, a shitty podcast. Just call it like it is. That's what we are. We're two guys that podcast. We decided to do it out of nowhere. And then Zippe comes out of uh, left field from Newsday, wherever he's from. I don't care anymore. 
And he goes, well, why don't you try being on the ice for every practice? And I'll tell you what this team thinks. Then write something that's actually I can't figure out on Twitter. Give me something. Right. Give me anything. I have nothing from you other than saying you give me the lines every day and then you tell everyone else that they don't know anything. So what do you what is yeah. your value to society? And I'm not even asking for like the the NBA insider of like the Clippers and Rockets are about to get into a fist fight in the locker room. Like I don't even need that much drama and detail because I think the NBA almost kind of blows it out of proportion too much. But I need something more than, like you said, the cookie cutter quotes that every hockey coach and player gives because we've heard that a million times from everybody in the league. And I need something that, why should I listen to you above anybody else if you are writing the same thing everybody else can? I know that you are technically more credentialed and higher up than the rest of us, but if you are not giving me anything of substance more than anybody else can give, I just don't see the point. I don't mean to bash these writers. I know they're doing their jobs, but it seems like there's another level here that we get in other sports and other cities, but not in New York hockey. Yeah, and a perfect example of that is not too long ago, for whatever reason, the Rangers decided to bench Pavel Buchnevich for a game in Las Vegas, I think. And media asked the questions, hey, why'd you bench Buch? And AV goes with, well, I just thought it was the right thing to do. And apparently there was no follow-up question, because what the fuck does that mean? You thought right. it was the right thing to do. If that happened to Aaron Judge, Chris Stapps Porzingis, Michael Conforto, if Noah Syndergaard's turn in the rotation gets skipped, not only is that question asked, it's asked repeatedly until someone gets angry and has to say something. But with yeah, the Rangers, yeah. they bench their youngest, most dynamic winger when they can't score goals, and the media seemed to be fine with I, it felt like the right thing to do. And it seems like national media almost made that their own thing because the New York media didn't give it enough attention. I, I saw more people from outside of New York angry about uh, Pavel Buchnevich being benched than anybody in New York in the media. It seems like they almost said, wow, there's this problem that for some reason is not being talked about. So I guess we need to make this a deal because the reporters paid to report on this are not really doing it. And we, we should be fair. This isn't everyone. Uh, Larry Brooks has been a lot better this year in terms of not only getting information from inside the locker room, but not being afraid to necessarily throw a punch at a head coach in an article. Um, and I think Sean Hartnett does a good job, too, of kind of telling it like it is. But it, it seems to be a prevailing theme. And it's only in hockey because, like you said, we in New York follow football, baseball, basketball just as much as we do hockey. And ownership gets slammed in those articles. James Dolan gets filleted by yep. Nick's beat writers daily. On the daily. He, he owns the New York Rangers, too, and I, you, you wouldn't know it. Based off, yeah, I, mean, I, I think I think the only thing Frank Isola hates more than himself is the Knicks, the team that he covers. <laughs> that's that's fair and it's true. But you know what? As as rough as Frank can be sometimes to read, and he he can be abrasive. He is not afraid to ask a tough question, right? And, and you have to respect that. It's not about uh, you know anger or team hating because I've seen a lot of reporters when they kind of get pressed on Twitter. You know why aren't you saying this? Whatever, whatever. Their response is like, well, I'm not a fan. It's not my job to be angry and aggressive. But it is your job to press and be critical when things are you know, not working out the way they should, when players are being scratched, when they didn't deserve a scratch, when the team is underperforming. There's a, maybe, I guess maybe it's too thin of a line to see sometimes, but there's a line between irrational fan anger and legitimate fair criticisms of an underperforming team. And also, who are they writing these articles for? Are they writing the articles for the team? Or are they tr – like – if the fan base, obviously some more than others are better at articulating their points to certain people. But if the fan base is worked up about something, is it not the beat writer's job to ask the question the fans want? Because it's the fans that are buying the paper. It's the fans that are reading your article. Elaine Vigneault is not going home every night, pouring a bottle of wine and reading what Steve Zippe has to say about last night's game. He doesn't give a shit. Yeah, why and it's clear he? he doesn't give a shit because he doesn't say anything. Or do anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah so uh, th this is this goes beyond the fine you don't want to be a fan so you don't want to ask questions that you think a fan would ask Gr good and great but who the fuck are you running your article for if not the fans yeah like, who I, are you I, trying to serve i guess it's uh that's also kind of one of those weird gray areas in journalism now right like are you writing just for your own integrity or for the people that are reading it or for the people it's about it really you know and it should never be written for the team or the coaches or the or the ownership. But it seems like that happens, maybe unintentionally, but that happens too much where a lot of these stories about teams are being written for the teams. We don't play goody-goody at all. 
And yeah. and I'm sure I'm sure it's hawk 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 as much as possible. Um, sorry, sorry, sorry. No, it's okay. I don't care. It's just I I want to acknowledge it instead of it being in the background. Um, it, I'm sure somebody from the team has listened to our podcast like one time, maybe once, and we're not sitting here being like, you know what, AB, great coach. <laughs> we're, we're, just, we're just not. We can't sit back and we're here because we're fans. We're, we love it. We're passionate. We want the team to be better. We want to be critical, and that's what fans do. And if you don't, right. if you don't think fans are out there being critical, how have you not been on Twitter? What are you doing? So uh, I, I just think you got to be writing for the people, not for the organization. Yeah, I know there's some like list in some dark room of the Islanders PR or media offices where it has like my Twitter picture and a big X across it to make sure I never get credentials to cover that team after all the uh the negative rants I've gone on on Twitter. Oh, they they but, gave uh, they approved our credentials for the NHL website and then really? yes, they did. And then immediately after uh for the Winter Classic, they like a week before they're like, "Nah, no, nah, thanks." So so you almost had it basically <laughs> well, they were like yeah we approved you guys are now an official nfl nhl affiliate and i was like oh awesome definitely going to the winter classic and then i got an email that was like yeah we reviewed your application yeah so you're the biggest ranger podcast but that's not good enough rough that's not what you want to hear yeah so that's uh, you know it, it is it is tough because it almost feels like in general hockey is the most censored sport i mean even if you just look at the little things like it's a lower body injury. It's an upper body injury. And that's all we get on injury reports. There's a, a bunch of things about hockey that are more kind of sheltered and, and bottled up uh, than in any other sport. Because if it was a football player, we'd know within 30 seconds if he's concussed, if he broke his leg, whatever it is. Oh, we wouldn't know if he's um, concussed. He went to the tent. He's fine. Yeah, he went into the tent. He's under protocol. He's all set now. Um, it's been three minutes. I, I, I get it's a sport where kind of more things are under wraps and it's almost like a a, a separation between church and state, for lack of a better term, where it's like certain things the public will never know. But uh, I, I would just love, to, even if there's going to be no answer and, and we're going to get a cookie-cutter response, just the question being asked more often than not. Uh, when it comes to anything, when it comes to why didn't the Islanders end up claiming any of the veteran players on waivers that would have made their team better? Why are the Rangers scratching, scratching their best forward? Um, it really it, it could be anything. And just the idea that these questions aren't even being asked is a little bit uh, – it's upsetting and it's, it's unfair to a fan base because like you guys said – who are these articles for, right? You're writing for your readers, and your readers want to know answers, and you're not even trying to provide them. Well, let's name and, before Greg. Before you go, real, let's name real quick, like where you can go as a hockey fan to find good information. All right, so we have Twitter, right? And there's like five people that are beat writers. That's it. End of story. Then you have like three podcasts, including us. Okay, cool. There's two websites you could check out, or three if you include us. And then where else are you getting information from? That's it. So you're getting mm-hmm. it from guys that are loyal fans. And then there's two beat writers that have the actual access and they don't write anything of meaning. So right. when and am then, I getting? And I think this happens more in hockey than anywhere else. Sorry, Greg, I know you had a point. I don't mean to cut you off. But where people that are outside the respected small media, the inside those closed doors, if you're not in that group, even if you have sources or can have legitimate reports based on just knowing people or however it comes about, you're discredited because you're not one of the the chosen, the few, the proud. You know, it's... uh. It's almost like the information, even if it's out there, if it's not from someone with a blue check mark and a Newsday credential, it doesn't matter. Yeah, and this actually goes well with the point I was going to make. So thank you both for actually doing what you're doing because it would have sounded weird. With hockey, it all, it's not just in New York where beat writers aren't asking tough questions. It seems like beat right, hockey beat writers that are still working for your – traditional um, flag carrier newspapers in big cities are more abrasive towards the quote unquote blogging community than any other sport. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw earlier or over the weekend, the head of the writer's union who also writes and covers the avalanche for the Denver post, basically challenging a um, sports nation writer to a fist fight. To an MMA fight. That was unbelievable. Yeah, what else, what does that fucking happen? Oh yes, one beat writer was like, "I'm ready to go." He was serious. It wasn't satire. It was like you want no, to go yeah, outside. Like someone, someone. He basically said, "You know, blogs don't get policed like we do at newspapers. So if they chirp in a headline, who who's going to protect them?" And someone questioned that tweet, and he goes, "Oh," and the the writer literally says, "Oh, you want to chirp at me? Come out to Denver, chirp to my face, see what happens." Yeah, MMA, MMA is legal. MMA is legal. Let's fight. What are you talking about? 
what oh. where else does this happen and is this happens in new york i mean the reason why steve zippe has blocked 70 percent of the new york rangers fan base is because he'll say something trying to attack a blogger someone like ourselves who have been blocked joe fortunato blue shirts banter they've been blocked dave shapiro's been blocked i don't know a trusted new york ranger writer that isn't a mainline media guy that hasn't been blocked by steve zippe because he thinks he's just better than people and i i, I don't understand that again is something only exclusive to hockey yeah and i, I don't want to name a ton of names because i'm not here to put people on blast but i do see a lot of times reporters instead of if a fan asks a question that's maybe a little bit dumb, whatever, it happens, instead of ignoring it like a, you know, a professional would do, they decide to just like make fun of the fan or like put them on blast for asking a dumb question. Or even if it's not that dumb, act like it's the dumbest idea in the world because they're a fan and I'm a reporter and I know better. Um, yep. And that I'm not trying to say that I'm anything special because I'm just a dumbass blogger. You know, I, yeah. I really don't know shit about shit. But uh, that is what I that is form, what uh, said uh, why Zippe blocked us, by the way, because I called him out for doing that to a fan. And I said, this right. is it's it's hilarious how unprofessional this is. And then he quote tweeted me responding to me and blocked me. So I couldn't even see the quote. tweet. Well, there you go. But, uh, you know, I'm not even saying that, like, I know better, too. I, I don't know anything about anything. Honestly, I don't have the access to these teams. I just watch the games. I listen to interviews and I, you know, I form an opinion. But I can have an opinion that's valid, even if it's not my job per se to cover this team. And it doesn't mean I'm less valid in my thoughts than you are because you get paid to do it. Yeah. I just, I, I, I've never seen, I mean, I've seen, I've seen basketball writers have conversations with bloggers where they'll defend their take, but at least it's, it might get heated, but it's still a conversation with hockey. It's all condescension and apparently physical violence. Yeah. Apparently we're at a new stage now. What bothers me is you would say hockey is the fourth or fifth biggest sport in the United States right now. We, we, yeah, can, we can say fifth with soccer, right? Yeah, probably on um, par with soccer right now, depending on where you are. Right. Yeah, we can even say sixth. I, I would watch the challenge over a hockey game right now. Okay, that's fine. Is American Warrior a sport? Because that's definitely seven. <laughs> it, it's it's definitely up there. But I've been uh, – I've mentioned on the podcast I'm kind of a nerd. I've been following the Overwatch League a little bit, and the E-Leagues in general are, are getting really fucking big. And these – these like, Overwatch League is pulling better ratings than an Arizona Coyote game – and I'm getting background access, and I'm getting written articles about players, and I'm getting all this stuff, and people are doing this all for free, and they're not even a major sports league. They started, like, two months ago, and they're averaging, like, 160k people viewers uh, a game. I'm looking up the Arizona Coyote um, television ratings right now. Guess what? They're a lot less than that. So so why is it the NHL, like, I don't know why it's just not marketing itself better in general. And you know what? Beat writers... Look at it or not, they're marketing for you. They market your sport. So they should be doing their best to make people want to watch the hockey games. That's it. And read their read their material. I just don't understand why it's so hard when a, a fucking video game league that started two two months ago is outperforming your numbers and has better coverage. What's happening? Yeah, I think there's, in some sense, kind of a league-wide issue that we've always seen. Um, you know, one of them being kind of the, the old joke now where it's, kind of like, please like my sport, hockey guys, you know, like, oh, LeBron sprained his ankle. Yeah, well, uh, what was it? Uh, Peverly died on the bench and still wanted to play. Like, hockey's tougher. Hockey's better. There is some sense of arrogance with hockey fans where it's it's kind of a, a little brother defense mechanism where it's no one likes my sport. I need to make everyone know it's the best sport, kind of. And that, I think, is perpetuated almost league-wide outside of the players. And, you know, everybody else kind of feels that way. And it ends up people trying to market, like you said, ends up only hurting the way the league is perceived because it's just this, please like my sport, begging and anger to people. Yeah, and just kind of going back to why teams or hockey teams aren't exactly covered in New York like they are other sports in New York. When you when you when when the Mets and the Yankees are playing at the same time, what's more likely to dominate the back page? The... Yankees capturing, or either team for that matter, capturing a routine four to two, five to two win over a division rival, or something fucking weird going on in the clubhouse for one of the teams. Yeah. yeah. So if it's been proven that you want to dominate the back pages in New York City, and the thing that dominates the back pages in New York City is drama. So why are these writers not trying to? I'm not saying they should go out and create drama, but there is 
clear drama happening on both these teams. You have Garth in the Islanders. You got Garth Snow. You have John Tavares' pending free agency. You have everything that's going on with Josh Hosang on a daily basis. Mm. And then you have the Rangers where you have literally – imagine a coach as incompetent as Elaine Vigneault managing the Yankees, the Mets, or the Knicks. Or the, he's basically Ben McAdoo, and we saw how that fucking went. You have that. You have your best winger getting scratched on the daily. You have the greatest goaltender in New York sports history who is going to likely go his entire career without a Stanley Cup because management doesn't know how to fucking manage a team. It's not that hard, guys, to write a compelling story. Right. Storylines between two teams right there, and when's the last time we saw any of those written? Exactly. And, you know, we kind of keep going back to the one point where it's, these are the guys with access and they're writing stories from a point of view where it almost looks like they're just as distant as the rest of us. I mean, during the Islanders bye week, um, I had a kind of an issue with, uh, with the news they reporting because the stories were, these are the positives of the first half. These are the negatives of the first half. And this is what the second half is going to look like. And then the bye week was over. I was surprised and disappointed that at no point was there an inside look at the Islanders front office in the week without hockey. Kind of how is the team operating in a week where the players are away from the game? What is the front office doing? What are they looking at? And what's on their minds when they have a few days off? I thought that would have been a great story, super easy to think of and write, and it just never happened. Instead, we got three unsourced stories that didn't give us any information we didn't already know. And one piece that ended up just kind of praising Adam Pellet for some reason because, I don't know, people have been making fun of his contract, and we wanted to be told again that it was a really good deal, actually. I, I, uh, Ryan, I don't know if you saw this earlier, but uh, some guys started clapping at both uh, Duffs and I about the Scott Mayfield extension, thinking that it was totally justifiable and actually a good de- a good deal. Yeah, people love to talk about that one. Yeah, it, it could be, but why yeah. would you ever sign it? Like, exactly. Yes. Why, why would you do In it? the next five years, could he become a pretty good defenseman? Sure. But why do you give anybody a five-year deal when they might in five years be a decent defenseman? I just, I don't know. You don't, you don't need to lock up a seventh defenseman long-term. There are literally 12 seventh defensemen that are free agents right now. And one, Cody Franson, who would have been really good on the Islanders. We have one playing on our top line, if you want him. Don't, so. don't, even, don't even get me started on Cody Franson again, because that, that is my biggest feud with all of the world, basically, where uh, people love to shout things like, well... 30 other teams didn't claim Cody Franson, so why should the Islanders have, have claimed Cody Franson? Because 30 other teams don't have the worst defense in hockey, and 30 other teams don't give up four goals a game. So maybe when you're the worst defense in hockey, you take a flyer on a veteran defense. Hold on, buddy. Hold on. Relative. Hold on. You're calling yourself the worst defense in hockey, and I take offense to that because that's clearly us. No. It, it, is, it is one of those things where I think the Rangers, you would think the Rangers' defense is worse, but we have – a brick wall and goal, so stuff just doesn't go in. That's true. I guess we have bad defense and bad goaltending. If only you had a prime goaltender. Now, what about um, – I mean, the the fact that there isn't a story beaten, being written daily about John Tavares' pending free agency blows my mind. They're more than you think. And at least every time he goes to a city outside of New York that thinks they have a chance to get him, they come flowing in. Um the the thing that the thing that's I think actually I've mean, I've liked the coverage of it because it hasn't been too frequent but it's been enough where every time there's a point where he said that if X Y or Z happens then he would be close to signing and then X Y and Z happens and he's still holding off we normally get a story then um, and I think today the update was he now also wants to make sure the team is committed to signing uh, I, I I think it was Anders Lee Josh Bailey and Brock Nelson long term even though Brock Nelson might be the worst player on the team. Um, and when I saw that, I was like, wow, I really had to weigh in my mind. Do I want Tavares to resign and have to watch more Brock Nelson or just get Nelson out of here at any cost? That was a, that was a tough uh, brain teaser for me. But there's enough coverage of that where it's not obnoxious because I think it very quickly could become obnoxious and painful for Islanders fans. Yeah, I just – as obnoxious and painful as it could be, again, the thing I would compare that to is I think I had a – I mean, this is going way back now. But the year leading up to David Wright's free agency, I think I got a story every day from some Met writer being like, is it happening? Mm-hmm. Is it going to happen? And it's true. No, it Wright, is a different standard. Yeah, Wright, Wright said in spring training, like, I'm not signing an extension during the season. We're, we're going to talk about this after the season. And if 
if someone on the Rangers said that to a beat writer, they wouldn't write about it. But since it's baseball, it was written about every week. Every week I had a story contemplating his move to Atlanta or some team to bring him closer to his Virginia home, yada, yada, stuff that probably wasn't going to happen. But it was written about and they got sources to say stuff because they found enough people connected to him. I just I, I don't think that happens in I think we've gotten what? Ryan, how many Rick Nash stories have we gotten this year? I think two. Yeah, maybe. And one one is last week saying the Rangers are probably going to trade him? From Brooks, yeah. Like, <laughs> Rick Nash, that's whatever you true. think about him, that's a major free agent. And the Rangers media is like, oh, by the way, um, this will eventually be something. Yeah, no, I think you're right. It's just a different standard. Um, maybe it, it's going back a little bit to the, the point we kind of touched on earlier where we said maybe people just don't care enough, so it's not even worth putting the time and energy in. Um, but that's a separate issue in and of itself. And I didn't even, I honestly did not even know that Rick Nash was a uh, pending UFA. Maybe I just hadn't looked uh, closely enough, but there's not a lot out there on his contract um, being written. So um, I knew he was a trade ship at the very least, but I didn't know he was going to be a free agent after this year. Yeah, free agent after the year. And Ranger fans or blogs, whatever you want to call them, have been writing articles all season long saying, is this a guy the Rangers should do what the Yankees did with the oldest Chapman, which is trade him and then immediately resign him? Should they just resign him? What can you get for Rick Nash? There have been a lot of Rick Nash pieces written this year, none of them from anyone with a byline in a newspaper in New York City. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's disappointing and it almost feels unfair because maybe just it's the New York media and we're, we're used to almost oversaturation of, of stories like that, but it does feel a little bit cheap when – if, if it's a sport that you really care about and you're a fan of other sports as well, you're not getting the same quality and quantity of coverage for the sport that you're passionate about compared to other ones as well. It's, it's the, I've, you and I have talked about this on Twitter a lot. Obviously we're talking about it now on the podcast. It is one of the most interesting subplots of any team I've ever watched. The fact that mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think about how my teams are covered in other sports just because I, it's there. But with the Rangers, I actively think about how this team is covered by the media because, quite honestly, the coverage is poor. Right. And and it's, New, it's, New York, it's New York City. And that's, it adds like, a different dimension to fandom when you think about it like that, too. Yeah. It's just if, if any other team in New York City was covered like the Rangers and the Islanders were, there'd be a fucking riot outside the ballpark. Well, it just would never happen, though. It's not even – you can't even hypothesize about that because it would literally never happen. No other team would ever get the the lack of coverage that uh, the hockey teams in this in this city and state get. But I don't know. Maybe it's just a product of being fans of the wrong sport. Oh, and it's maybe maybe it's our fault. At the end of the day. Yeah, sorry. I like <laughs> hockey. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, right. we gotta get over it. I guess. All right, James. Thanks so much for coming on. Appreciate it. Uh, I'm sure we'll have you back on again in the future. Uh, anything? You yeah. want, anyone, uh, anything you want to plug before we get out of here? Happy to be here. Um, check out me on Twitter at Two Turtle Duffs. Uh, read all my blogs and all my uh, coworkers' blogs at Gotham Sports Network. I hope the Rangers lose every game for the rest of the season. But me, uh, me too, by the way. Other than that, yeah. Then I guess we're <laughs> on the same page. I guess we can uh, we can part as friends then. Yeah, we're good. Do you want to do you want to talk about? Um, you guys do the front page podcast every morning now. Yes, yes. We just started uh, every weekday morning. We're going to be putting out a Gotham front page. Um, there's one up today with. Ethan, Julian, and Andrew Claudio. And then tonight I'll be recording with uh, Andrew Claudio and Ryan Disdier. So be sure to check that out every morning. It should be up uh, in time for anybody's morning commute. So, And we don't talk – we talk about a whole range of things, pop culture, sports. Uh, I think we're going to talk about the Blake Griffin trade tonight. I know we mentioned that before we went on the air today. But uh, So uh, be sure to check that out for uh, one-stop shop, pop culture, sports news every morning. Good luck, man. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Peace out. Thanks, James Duffy, for coming on. Really appreciate his insight. Uh, it's New York Media. Great guest. We've been killing it big, with the guests lately, by the way. Big, big fan of James. I'm a big James Homer. If you're gonna, if you're gonna want to follow someone for Islander takes just to see what the fuck's going on in Islanderland, I would recommend James uh, ten times out of ten. Let's uh, start with who the f is Bushard's breakaway. Oh, I should have been. I, I knew this was coming. Should have been thinking about this more. Um, I'll go first if you want to think. Please, that'd be that'd be just ideal. I was thinking about it a little bit. I have a few uh, for the next coming weeks, but in the the spirit of wrestling and the Royal Rumble being last night, I do want to share with you a quick story of how I saw Brock Lesnar's first ever pay per view at Beeritz. Um, 
I don't know how this happened, but I was very to wrestling as a child, and Brock Lesnar was an absolute monster. Now Brock Lesnar's body looks a little saggy, and sort of, like, abused, and not as uh, appealing as it used to. But when I first saw Brock Lesnar, he was 297,000 pounds of muscle, and he was absolutely terrifying. But at the Nassau Coliseum SummerSlam, uh, I saw his debut, and... It was maybe one of the weirdest class slash craziest sports moments ever because he didn't say a goddamn word and he just came out and destroyed The Rock. And so I got to see The Rock get absolutely destroyed by Brock Lesnar. And then the next month or a couple months later, somehow, I saw the first ever Elimination Chamber, which I don't know how that happened either, but it was at MSG. And I believe it was Shawn Michaels and Triple H as the last two. And that was also an experience. And I, we talked about this in our Patreon Extra, but... For some reason, I only get pumped up for the Royal Rumble and Mania, and, I, I, and it, it is crazy that most of those guys I mentioned are still around, and I was like 13 at that time. That's the world we live in now, Ryan. I don't get it. Um, I will go with the only time in my life I've been rendered speechless at a sporting event. Uh, this was, I would say... I, uh, before you say anything else, I want to say that you did go to Game 7 of Rangers Capitals when Stefan scored the goal, and you were so intoxicated you probably couldn't speak. Uh, I would not. No, I was definitely making words out of my mouth. They probably weren't in order, <laughs> but words were coming out of my mouth. Okay, fair. This was, I think, uh, summer of 2008. It must have been summer of 2008. I, for whatever reason, Ryan, made the decision to go see a Mets game in Philadelphia. Mistake number one. Mistake. Um, Guaranteed. <laughs> Mistake number two was going back to Philadelphia the next summer. I don't know what the fuck I was thinking. Anyway, I'm in Philadelphia. I'm at the I'm at the game. Mets win the game. I'm wearing my road gray Marlon Anderson jersey because, let's be honest, if I'm owning a Mets jersey, it's got to be fucking weird. Uh, walking around my Marlon Anderson jersey, feeling good, feeling great. The Mets just beat the Phillies. This is back when things were going well and Jerry Manuel was now the manager. They were making a push for the playoffs. I was in a good spot mentally. Walking out of the stadium. Talking with my buddy Bob, some guy yells over to me, Is that a Marlon Anderson jersey? And I'm now excited. I'm like, Motherfucker realizes this is a Marlon Anderson jersey? He must be a really big Met fan. So I turn around and go, Yeah, it fucking is. And he goes, Wow, you must really like sucking dick. I, I was just, <laughs> wow. I was, so I was, you must he, love it. He was so genuine, like, he was so genuine in saying it. And I, I turned around thinking it was going to be a Met fan to give me love, and it was just a Philly fan to crush my dream. That I really, he's like, wow, you must really love second day. I go, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, I do. Damn, you Philly. <laughs> Got you again. One, the one time in my life I've been rendered speechless. Second time I went to Philadelphia, it was not as fun. Some guy told me to go back to New York, and I almost got in a fight with him and the usher, and it got ugly. I'm really excited for them to lose the Super Bowl this week. Anyway. Let's talk I about. I could not be more excited for before that. Before we get the hell out of here, because uh, we do this every week, let's talk a little bit of nonsense. You and I had an off pod discussion about, and we are not sponsored by my bookie at all, at all. <laughs> I want to point out to everybody, and this is the time when we get down to earth. We have no sponsors, zero. We have our Patreon subscribers, and they keep us afloat. Other than them, we have no sponsors. Will we get sponsors? Stay tuned. Who knows? We might. Maybe one day. But. We're going to talk about my bookie for a second. You actually, you actually use my bookie, and you, I do. you sent me. Talk about this this futures bet you sent me. I don't you can say I use my, Ryan. You can say I use my bookie religiously. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. Keep going. <laughs> so so my bookie every now and then, um, not every now and then, it posts weird non sports bets occasionally. Like if you go on right now, there's a business and politics section. You can choose. Who wins the 20, like which party wins the 2020 presidential election? Um, if, if the Democrats retake control of the Senate at the midterm elections, you can make Academy Awards bets. Obviously, as you will hear about in our overtime breakaway, I made bets on the Royal Rumble and won money. That's something else you could bet on. Uh, you could bet on the Grammys, you could bet on everything. But for whatever reason, Ryan, there is a section on my bookie called Religion. And I'm, I'm not going to click. I'm not going you, to ignore a section. You can't, you can't see this right now, but I'm shaking my head back and forth. <laughs> I, I click on it and it gives you odds for who you think the next Pope is going to be. And it lists like 30 candidates. And Ryan got flabbergasted when I told him that instead of investing money in cryptocurrency, 
I threw I put three three dollars on Bono and plus thirty-five thousand. I just so it's it's thirty-five thousand to one, right? Is that the deal? It's it's plus thirty-five thousand. So, so that's three dollars thir- back. Thir- will 35, cash 35 to one. Over. Yeah, it, it, no, it's it's three thousand five hundred to one. Okay. So a one dollar bet with I three, still think that's really low. <laughs> like you like Bono, the singer of Hugh Two. The American rock, not American. The the the, the Liverpool lads from Liverpool. That's the Beatles. But anyway, he's, um, he's he's got he's got all the qualifications, which is Catholic, and that's all you have to be. The Catholic Church. All right, I am saying this now, and I may regret it the day because become Bono becomes the Pope. <laughs> I will give you any yeah. a, anybody out there. Yep. Ten thousand. Ten thousand to one odds on Bono becoming the Pope. Lock it. Give, that's another dollar bet. There you go. I, I will. Give you my Venmo. You send me whatever you want. It's it's only for it's ten thousand to one. Bono being the Pope. That's it. Yeah. Lock in, <laughs> lock in, lock in my dollar bet. I'm going double or nothing. I'll take your bets. Uh, <laughs> look, all I'm saying is it could happen. He's qualified. It can't happen. It's it, no it way. <laughs> we live in a world where Donald Trump is president. You can't. What is? What sounds weirder? United States President Donald Trump or Pope Bono? Don't make me answer that because you know the answer. <laughs> but the funny thing is you can also bet on the name of the next pope because you know how they all have to take on a biblical name. That's more reasonable. Uh, Leo is the favorite at plus 270. Okay, I can see Leo going. Sure. Yeah, I think Bono – I'm going to parlay Bono with Leo and see what the odds this are. This is fucking ridiculous. I'm done with this podcast. <laughs> Anything else you want to talk about today? <laughs> I just I think it's great. I think if you're going to take advice on who to bet on for the next pope, have it be your Jewish Ranger Ranger fan who does a podcast. If anyone goes I, on my bookie and bets on the Bono thing and you don't just send it to me directly on Venmo, I'm offended because I'm giving you way better odds. I'm giving you actually, way actually, better odds. Your so your odds are basically plus 100,000. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And the day that Bono uh, becomes Pope, I will go into hiding forever. I just want po- him to become Pope. So then his first address to the people will just be, hello, hello, hola. <laughs> Uno, dos, tres, catorce. <laughs> just start singing his songs. It'd be great. It'd be the best Pope ever. And I will take this time to, that's, it's a quote, to quote the great movie Hero Trip. That's a one crazy Pope. This will- my uh, my second favorite podcast next to Blue Breakaway of all time is a podcast called You Talking You Too to Me, where it's a podcast all about YouTube, but not really, hosted by Adam Scott from Parks and Rec and, and uh, Scott Ackerman of Comedy Bang Bang. And you I want to know who they're probably betting on to uh, become the next Pope? Not Bono, because they know him and they know better. <laughs> I'm telling you, he's he does all that charity work. He does a lot of stuff for the church. He fell off his bicycle, man. He hurt himself. Can't play guitar so it anymore. sounds like he needs the Pope Mobile. Oh my god! Never have to ride a bike again. I'm done. Goodbye, Greg. <laughs> follow us on Twitter, Bush's Break, and all that other shit. You'd love us, I think. I hope. Bye. You see it every day. The first dollar you earned from your first customer. Now it hangs on your wall at headquarters. A reminder of where you started and the promise of what's still to come. In part because you rely on Sandy Spring Bank to help you make the right choices on real estate and equipment loans, treasury management, and commercial services. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your business. Visit sandyspringbank.com business. Credit products offered by Sandy Spring Bank.